Let's spend some time in prayer. Jesus, you are the bread of life. You said that if we would come to you, we would never hunger and we would never thirst. And that's why we're here. Lord, as we focus on you, we, we think of all those who wake up in Texas or, um, now I'm forgetting the other place, Ohio, thank you, that's where they lost loved ones. Lord, may they run to you for help and not from you. Lord, with shooting after shooting, it's, It doesn't work well for nations to try and do life without you. May we humble ourselves and run to you. Lord, not only for nations, but it doesn't go well for people who try and do life without you. Lord, that's why we're here. We need you. No one needs you more than we do. You are the bread of life, and you are living water, and we need you. And you know our needs, and we pray that you would meet our needs as we worship you today. And Lord, as we open up your word together, feed us the bread of life. May we drink living water. May we be so full of you that as we go out this week, we have to share you with others and invite others to come and and drink, for we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I know it's hard for you to imagine, but my oldest brother is six foot five. He got all the height. My next brother is really smart. He got all the brains. My next brother, he, I mean, he, he, he has a chemistry degree from Florida. He has an engineering degree from Florida, a master's in engineering from Florida. He has a law degree from Florida. And he took the professional engineering exam and the bar exam in the same month without studying. And he passed them both. So my oldest brother got the height. My next brother got the brains. I have a sister. She's very, she's beautiful. She got the looks. <laughs> By the time it got to me, there was nothing left. <laughs> I mean, do you ever feel that way? That you look around and, and you think, man, I'm not fast. I'm not smart. I'm not athletic. I'm not gifted. Ah. And then one day, I met Jesus. And Jesus gave me a gift. And you know what Jesus said to me? He said, Smiley, you are gifted to serve. And that changed everything. For over 50 years of my life, I've been using the gift that Jesus picked out to me and having the time of my life using that gift to serve others. And listen, if, if you're a Christian If you're a Christian, I want you to know Jesus picked out a gift for you and you are gifted to serve. And if you're not yet a Christian, if you're not yet a Christian, this very day you could become a Christian and you could leave here with a gift, with a gift to serve others with. One of the greatest joys in life, I mean, come, don't you like birthdays or Christmas because there are gifts, right? One of the greatest joys in life is to discover the gift that Jesus picked out for us, to discover that gift and develop that gift and use that gift to serve others. So if you like gifts, you're going to like today. Uh, If you like joy, you're going to like today because Jesus has picked out a gift for you and you are gifted to serve. If you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. 
just to set it up a little bit. It's written by the Apostle Peter to a persecuted church living in a hostile culture. And the letter's meant to encourage. <laughs> you ever feel like you're living in a hostile culture? Could you, could you use some encouragement? That's what this letter is for. And since we're going to talk about you were gifted to serve, I'm going to start with verses 10 and 11, and then we'll back up and start over again. <clears throat> As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So there it is, you and you and you and you, you were gifted to serve. Now to really understand verses 10 and 11, let's back up a little bit and take more of a running head start to those verses. Look at verse 7. The end of all things is near, therefore be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. In the Bible, there's always only two days. Did you know that? There is... There is today, and there is that day. Only two verses in the Bible. There's today and that day, the day Jesus comes back. And the Bible says that today is to be lived in light of that day. If you don't know, history is moving. It's moving toward the consummation when Jesus comes back. And when Jesus comes back, he's going to restore all things and you say, well, the world's so broken, the world's so broken, why does he delay? Why does he delay? You know why he delays? To give people the opportunity to be saved. Because when he comes back, the door to eternal life will be closed forever. And so listen, Jesus is coming back. The most important thing we can ever do is believe in Jesus ourselves so we're prepared for that day. And then once we're prepared for that day, every day that we have on earth, we are here to win as many people as we can to faith in Christ because that's why history goes on. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, all right, you're writing a letter to people being persecuted in a hostile culture. What are you going to say after you say above all? You've led someone to faith in Christ and you're discipling someone. What are you going to say after they come to faith in Christ? What are you going to say above all? I think we're kind of surprised uh, what he says. He says, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another uh, because love covers a multitude of sins. Now, now notice that how he says keep fervent, that word for fervent is really interesting. The Greek word there, the New Testament was written in Greek, has the idea of an athlete who's straining. He's, he's, he's straining with all of his energy to make it to the finish line. Keep fervent. Now notice as well, it says in your love for one another. And I've been teaching you, when it says one another, that's important the Bible calls us to love our neighbor, yes. The Bible calls us to love our enemy, yes. But when we see one another, he's talking about in the church. He's talking about one another is in the body, above all else. Keep fervent in your love for one another. How's your love 
for one another. How is it? Um, this year we've been learning that Jesus invites us on a disciple-making adventure, right? Every week we've been reminded that his last command, the Great Commission, is go and make disciples of all the nations. We've been learning. He says, go and make disciples who make disciples who make disciples until the world is one. And then that raises the question. We've asked the question, well, what is a disciple? And we've said that a disciple is a follower of Jesus. A disciple is someone who says, I want to follow Jesus. Is that true of you? And then we say, well, what does it look like? What does it look like when someone follows Jesus? And, and we say, you can see them because, first of all, they love Jesus. Do you? But secondly, love one another. That's what this passage is about. It's teaching us how important that second great love is the love for one another. And then we love the lost. So listen to what he says. Above all... Keep fervent in your love for one another. Is it easy to love one another? Is it? It's not, is it? And then it says, look, for love covers a multitude of sins. Is it easy to forgive a lot? Is it? It's not. Matter of fact, we can only love when we've been loved and to the extent that we've been loved. So if we want to love each other fervently, we need to find someone we can run to and get the love we need to love one another. And if we want to forgive others, we need to first what? Be forgiven. We need someone we can run to and get the forgiveness that we need so we can grant it to others. And that's why we need the gospel. If you're new, the gospel means Jesus seeks and saves. Um, but the gospel has not only good news, it has bad news. And, and here's the bad news of the gospel. We are not easy to love. Did you know that? Here's the bad news of the gospel. Not only we are not easy to love, but we need forgiveness. Here's the gospel, Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet, help me, what? Sinners, Christ died for us. We are not easy to love. And you know why? Because we're sinners. So important you understand that we are not sinners because we sin. No, we sin because we're sinners. And because we are sinners, we have committed crime after crime against God. We have not put God first. We have not honored our parents. We've not always told the truth. We've stolen things. We've coveted. We've committed crime after crime against God. And, and that's why we need to be forgiven. Because the God we've sinned against is just. He can't just wink at our sin and say it doesn't matter. No, God says what we deserve is hell. What we deserve is separation from God and from all good things. So what is the bad news of the gospel? That is that we are not easy to love because we're sinners, and we need forgiveness because we're sinners, and we're in big trouble. But here's the good news. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Here's the good news, that God loves sinners and God made a way for sinners to be forgiven. And that is that God the Son would put on flesh and come to earth. Jesus is fully God and fully man in one person who came to earth and lived a perfect life for us, tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. And then he went to the cross and on the cross, he died for our sins. Our sins were placed upon him. And, and we're going to talk today about loving one another. If we want to know Jesus, how much do you love us? And he stretches out his hands on the cross and says, I love you 
this much. And when we ask Jesus, Jesus, how much are we forgiven? Stretched out on a cross, he says, listen, in me you are forgiven this much. So Christ died for our sins, our sins placed on Jesus. He, he paid the penalty for our sins in full. He really did die. On the third day, he rose, proving he had conquered sin and death. And he offers us the greatest gift ever given, which is the gift of eternal life. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says, truly, truly. And when Jesus says, truly, truly, he says, maybe you've been sleeping. Wake up. This is important. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. Jesus says that if we would believe in him, then he would love us like we long to be loved. Then he would forgive us of all of our sins, past and present and future. That if we would believe in him, he would give us the chance to do life with him and for him and the chance to do eternity with him and for him. And what does he require of us? That we believe in him. Have you? Well, Smiley, what does it mean to believe in Jesus? Doesn't everybody believe in Jesus? And we love to say it's as simple as admit and believe and commit as simple as ABC. Where we admit, Jesus, I admit to you I am a sinner and I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. Will you do that? Where we say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And then we commit to Jesus as Savior and Lord. Jesus, I want you to be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life, and he will. And I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. The moment we do that, we are loved. And that's how in the church we can keep fervent in our love for one another because we've been loved. And at that moment, we're forgiven of all of our sins. And when we're forgiven a multitude of sins, that's what enables us to forgive. What does the Bible say? It says, we love because the people in our church are lovely. We love because our spouse is lovely or wonderful or our parents. No, no, it says what we love. Why? Because he first loved us. And so when we find it hard as Christians to love one another, and it is hard, we run to Jesus and let him love us, and that's what enables us to love one another. And when people wrong us, and it hurts, and it's so hard to forgive, it is, isn't it? Then what do we do? We run to Jesus and experience his forgiveness, which then enables us to forgive one another. See, all of this is preparing us. All of this is preparing us to talk about spiritual gifts. We are running toward the idea that you are gifted for service, but you must understand this. Above all else, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Every time spiritual gifts are listed in the Bible, whether it's Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12 or 14 or Ephesians 4 or 1 Peter 4, every single time spiritual gifts are discussed, so is love. So is love. And do you know why that is? It's because we all suffer from OCD, right? Not what you think. What we struggle with is obsessive comparison disorder. Because as soon as we see someone else's gifts, some of us think what? My, I, I don't have a gift. My gift isn't important. And then other people do what? My gift is more important than your gift. 
the only way we can use our gifts together is that above all else, keep fervent in your love for one another, for love covers a multitude. Love provides the environment that we can use our gifts together to build up His church. So remember, loved people love, and forgiven people forgive. Listen to the next verse. Uh, Be hospitable to one another without complaint. Don't you love that? So you opened up your home to small group this week. Way to go. Now quit complaining about it. Okay, you serve on the hospitality team, and you got here early, and you welcome people. Way to go. Quit complaining about it, right? Oh, man, love people love, and forgiven people forgive, and welcome people welcome. When we begin to understand how much sacrifice the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were willing to sacrifice so that we could be welcomed into the family of God, when that staggers us, that's what moves us to welcome others. That's what moves us to open our home to others in small group because we've been welcomed. We want to welcome others. That's what moves us to want to lead a small group. We've been welcomed and we want to welcome others. That's what moves us on Sunday to come early because we want to be an inviting, bringing, welcoming church and we're so blown away. Jesus welcomed us. We want others when they come for the first time that someone would welcome them. Oh, man. So we're on a train here. Okay, loved people love and and forgiven people forgive, and welcome people welcome, and here's where we're headed, gifted people serve. Gifted people serve, and you are gifted to serve. As each one has received a special gift. You see that? Each one, that means you, and you, and you, and you, or if you're a Christian, you, as each one has received a special gift, you are gifted to serve, gifted to serve. See that word, gift? Uh, in, in the New Testament, it's written in Greek. The word there is charisma, charisma. And the word charis means grace. And, and mom means gift. That you've been given a grace gift. The day you came to faith in Christ, Jesus gave you a grace gift. You didn't work for it. You didn't earn it. It was what he picked out for you. As each one has received a special gift. Um, employ it in serving one another. Now, I want you to know that spiritual gifts are service gifts. Service gifts. And you say, well, well what do you mean by that? <laughs> Some gifts, I would call them ornamental gifts. And other gifts are service gifts. What do I mean? So we have a couple. They love each other. And so the husband gives his wife a ring. He gives her a necklace to be worn, right? And I would call those ornamental gifts. They're pretty, but they're given to be worn. But she gives her husband a grill because he loves to cook. And so when he gets the grill, he's thrilled because he imagines what? He can use this gift to cook for his family, and he loves to do that. And he thinks of having all of his friends over at his house, and he can use this gift to serve. I mean, were you here for our global outreach dinner, were you? 
David Christopher was over there. Did you see his grill out front? He and his friend all day long, they're out there. Same thing for Man Day. David and his friend were having the time of their life using a gift to serve others. Imagine the church like that. Wouldn't it be great? A group of people gifted by Jesus, having the time of their life, using their gift to serve others. <laughs> oh, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another. Um, um, as good stewards, see the word stewards, that these gifts belong to Jesus, they're just entrusted to us. A steward at that time uh, wouldn't have owned the home, would have managed the home for the owner. And so we've been given gifts to be stewards of. They're not to be buried. They're to be discovered and developed and used to build up the church uh, as, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, I love that. Our God is a God of endless variety. And so the word manifold grace, there is this wide variety of gifts that he gives to his church. If we read the different gift list in the New Testament, whether in Romans 12 or 1 Corinthians 12 or 14 or Ephesians 4 or here, they're never the same. And the reason for that is I believe they're meant to be illustrative. These are some of the gifts Jesus gives to his people and not exhaustive. That There's only these. So you might say, well, then what then is a spiritual gift? A spiritual gift is any God-given ability that can be used to build up the church. Spiritual gifts are gifts that Jesus has given to us that when energized by the Holy Spirit are used to serve one another in a way that builds up the body of Christ. Any God-given ability that can be used to build up the body. Now, now notice how it goes on. Begins to explain it a little bit more. Whoever speaks is to do so as the one who is to do... Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. So there are two broad categories of giftedness. There are speaking gifts and there are serving gifts. Um, how about you? Do you run to the microphone or do you run from the microphone? There's a clue. Uh, there are speaking gifts. There is evangelism, there is teaching, there is preaching, there are speaking gifts, there are serving gifts, there is helps and mercy and giving and administration, and pop quiz. Pop quiz, you like pop quizzes? First spiritual gift mentioned in the Bible, serving or speaking, what do you think? You guys are right, serving. Now, I might be wrong, but this is the first spiritual gift that I identify in the Bible. There's people who know the Bible better than me. They might find something else. But it's in Exodus. It's that Israel has been brought out of Egypt, and it's time to build the tabernacle. There's a man named Bezalel, Bezalel and, and notice what it says, I have filled him, Bezalel, with the Spirit of God. In the Old Testament, only a few people received the Holy Spirit. Only a few people were gifted. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit would be given to all of God's people. 
All God's people would be gifted. So notice this, I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and in all kinds of craftsmanship. The first spiritual gift I see in the Bible is craftsmanship given to Bezalel. Why? To make artistic designs for work in gold and silver and in bronze and in the cutting of stones for settings and the carving of wood that he may work in all kinds of craftsmanship. Here's where it gets really, really good, okay? Have, if, have you ever read through the Old Testament? The tabernacle was built, and that's where God would dwell on earth, right? God would dwell in the tabernacle, and the tabernacle was built for two things. It was built for beauty and for glory. It was built for beauty and glory because God is beautiful and glorious. And so he gifted people to build a tabernacle where he would dwell that was beautiful and glorious. And um, where does God dwell today? He dwells where? In his church, in his people. And every one of us is gifted. Why? So that when God dwells on earth, his church would be one of beauty and glory because gifted people using their gifts to speak and serve would manifest God's beauty and glory. And we each get to play a part of that. Are you excited yet? That's why he says whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Is that you? Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. Why? So that in all things God may be glorified, that God's dwelling place on earth would bring God glory. So that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. What's so cool about spiritual gifts is when we use our gifts, everyone wins. We have the time of our lives using our gifts. And we bless other people and bring glory to God. So here's what we're learning. You are gifted to serve. You're gifted to serve. Now, I want you to understand you have a gift, but you don't have all the gifts. You have a gift, but you don't have all the gifts. That's why you need a church. You need a church to use your gifts, and the church needs you. The church needs you for beauty and glory because your gifts matter. So, you are gifted to serve. That's, the, that's what we are learning today. And the action step for, for this week is I want you to use your gift to serve, to use your gift to serve. Now, many, many of you know your gift. You're using your gift. <clears throat> You're using your gift in the body to serve. Thank you. Way to go. And you're using those gifts, those same gifts in our community to win people to Christ. Way to go. Keep it up. Keep using your gifts until Jesus comes back or you go home. But, but some of you don't know your gifts. That's why we're doing this, this message, because some of you don't. And if you don't know your gifts, you can't use your gifts, and so I want, you to help, I want to help you discover your gifts. And you say, well, how do you discover your gifts? Well, it's just as easy as A, B, C, really. It's as simple as admit, believe, commit. If we want to discover our gifts, it starts when we admit, Jesus, I don't know what my gift is. Will you do that? And, and then it's we believe. 
Jesus, I believe you have gifted me because your word teaches it and you want me to know what my gift is. And then thirdly, we commit ourselves to discover and develop and use our gifts. Will you do that? If you don't know your gift, will you admit it? Will you believe? Will you commit yourself this week? Well, Smiley, how then do we discover our gifts? Um, Instead of asking the question, if we want to discover our gifts, what is my gift, why don't we start asking the question, how can I help? How can I serve? And as we start moving in the direction of serving and helping, that's when we discover our gifts. You might take the reverse side of the Connect card and you might say, well, I'd like to help out in in kids' ministry or or, or I'd like to help out in, in the hospitality ministry or worship. And as you take a step in the right direction, your, your gifts are going to bubble up. One of the best ways, if you're not involved in a small group, to find your gift is to get involved in a small group because you'll discover all kinds of needs in your small group. And as you begin to meet needs, your gifts will bubble up. You say, well, well Smiley, what do you mean our gifts will bubble up? Well, the way we really discover our gifts is when we start meeting needs, we're going to enjoy doing certain things. Those are the things we're gifted in. Maybe you're a part of the hospitality team and you work as a greeter and when the morning's over, you say, man, I love that. That was fun. That's what you're gifted in. If you do that and you leave saying, man, I am so drained, that was terrible. It's not your gift. Do you know that people fear public speaking? I I can't fathom that. I love to talk about Jesus But people say, don't you get tired on Sunday? No, I get energy from speaking. What makes me tired? To buy something that says, partial assembly required. (laughs) (sighs) I know I don't have service gifts, okay? But I also know I have speaking gifts because I get joy when I talk about Jesus. That's how we discover our gifts. What is it that gives us joy? What gives us energy? Um, secondly, there's confirmation. There's the confirmation of the body. Um, we should always be looking at one another and confirming each other. And I love being in a small group. If I'm in a small group with someone, it doesn't take long to find their giftedness. You say, how? We have a dinner. We have a dinner, and many people stop by Publix on the way there and buy fried chicken, right? But someone else, what do they do? They carefully craft a meal, don't they? And they bring it. And you say, you know what? You really are gifted in hospitality, right? You see that when you're close to people, don't you? But a lot of people don't know they're gifted. That's why we confirm it. Um, We're in a small group, and you ask a question, and someone gives a really good answer. And you say, man, you are really gifted as a teacher. You can see it. Uh, You're in a small group and someone starts crying, right? Some of us do what? We back away. (laughs) But some people, they go toward a crying person. You know why? Because they're gifted in mercy. Someone in a small group hears of a need in the small group. They show up at their house to meet it. You know why? Because they're gifted with service and helps. It's not hard. But we do need to confirm each other because people have gifts. They don't know they're unique. They just know that's who they are. We discover our gifts when we're serving by joy and confirmation and by fruit. I mean, if you're gifted in singing and you sing, it sounds good, right? 
if you're gifted in teaching and you teach, most of the people are still awake. Right? Well, do, is there fruit from our gift? So listen, we discover our gift and then we develop our gift. When we look for giftedness in others or in ourselves, we should look for a glimmer of giftedness. It's not fully developed. We develop our giftedness through using it. I am gifted in evangelism, but I'm always working to develop my gift and become more effective. I think all of us develop our gifts, and we develop our gifts by using our gifts. So you are gifted to serve, and, and the gift you use to serve in the body, I want you to know, can also be used in the community to win people to Christ. Did you know that? You say, well, what do you mean? So you have the gift of helps. You have the gift of service. So someone in your small group, someone in your small group, their toilet is broken and you show up and fix it. And someone in your small group, listen, uh, something else in their home needs to be fixed and you fix it. And someone needs their lawn cut and you cut it. You are using your gift to bless those in the body. Can't you use those in the community too? I mean, don't you know a neighbor? whose toilet is broken, why don't you fix it? Do you have a neighbor who needs their, la their yard cut? Why not cut it? If you know something that they have a need, why not meet it? And they just might ask you, why? And you can say, because Jesus has given me a gift and he wanted me to bless you. Maybe you're gifted with children. You just love kids. There's opportunities in the church, right? There's opportunities in the church for you to use that gift. You can help out in kids' ministry, and you can serve. But maybe in your neighborhood there's a young couple, and they've moved here from up north, and they never have a chance to get away from their kids. If you love kids, why don't you go and say, Hey, I really love kids. Why don't you guys go out on a date, and I'll watch your kids. I'll serve you. Why would you do that? Because <laughs> Jesus has given me a gift, and he sent me to bless you. I've learned even as a pastor, even as a pastor, the gifts that I use in here, I use out there. Uh, you say, how? Well, we have six kids, and, and they played on so many teams. And aren't all of you the chaplain in your family, aren't you? I mean, when your family has a get-together, aren't you the chaplain? They always ask you to say the prayer. Or in your office, you're the one that everybody asks. Well, I'm like that, too. And um, so when our kids were on a team, often there would be like a banquet, and they'd want someone to say a blessing. Or we'd go to a tournament, and they'd want to have a chapel, and, and I'd get a chance to. And then, and then the kids that our kids played soccer with grew up, and they didn't know any pastors. And they'd call me up and say, hey, hey, Smiley, I want to get married. Would you do our wedding? And I'd say, well, I'd be glad to get together and talk with you about it. And I'd get together and talk with them, and, um, and, and after a while, I'd say, so do you go to church? And they'd say no, and I'd say, well, why do you want a pastor? Why do you want a pastor to do your wedding? I'm not making this up. This is too good. <laughs> they would say what? Well, we wanted God to be a part of our marriage. Now, some of you are evangelists, right? They just opened the door wide open, didn't they? Wow, they said, we want God in our marriage. And Hey, could I share with you how God's been a part of our marriage and made such a difference and can make a marriage in yours too? You see, the gifts we use in here to serve one another are gifts that we can use in the community to serve others and win people to Christ. So, 
You were gifted to serve, gifted to serve. We're almost done. Uh, you were gifted to serve, and I, I want you to think about that for a moment, what that means about a church. What it means for a church is that we are, we are, lo we are loved and flawed at the same time. Uh, if you're a part of a small group, if you're a part of a church, we are loved and flawed at the same time. Secondly, I want you to understand as a church that we are gifted and flawed at the same time. When we get close to each other, we're going to discover that we are gifted and flawed at the same time. So, listen to this verse. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We have a treasure in earthen vessels. Jesus lives in us individually and together. We are the body of Christ. Jesus lives in us. Spiritual gifts live in earthen vessels. Um, know why that encourages me? Is I am gifted and flawed at the same time. And sometimes I'm so overwhelmed by my flawedness that I think I can't use my giftedness. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like, how could I make a difference when I'm so flawed myself? Listen, we have a treasure in earthen vessels. Yes, I'm flawed, but I'm also gifted, and I can use my gifts, and you can too. Don't let your flawedness negate your giftedness you were gifted, and you were gifted, and you were gifted. You were gifted to serve. You're gifted to serve in your church. You're gifted to serve in your body. Use your gifts. Use your gifts to serve this week. Let's pray. Jesus, we're so thankful you came to save Sinners like us, people that were hard to love, people that were hard to forgive. Thank you for living that life and dying and offering us eternal life. Thank you. And listen, if you're here and you'd like to be loved and like to be forgiven and like to have eternal life, won't you believe in Jesus? Won't you admit, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry? And won't you believe, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And won't you commit? Jesus, I want you to be my Savior and forgive me and, and give me eternal life. I uh, want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Listen, if you've done that for the first time, Jesus said, if we believe we have eternal life, way to go. Tell someone. Mark it on your Connect card. We'd love to celebrate with you. And as you tell others, Jesus will become more real to you. Jesus, I want to thank you that you've not only given us eternal life, you've given us spiritual gifts to be used. And I thank you for those here who know their gifts and are using them. Encourage them. Encourage them to keep serving and keep serving until you come back or they go home. And Lord, I pray for the many people here who don't know their gifts. And, and, and if that's you, won't you admit to Jesus now? Won't you just admit, Jesus, um, I, I don't know my gifts. And won't you believe, won't you tell him, 
Jesus, I believe that I have a gift because your word says so. And won't you commit? Jesus, this week I commit myself to asking what can I do and how can I help so that as I start moving toward meeting needs, you will make my gifts known to me. Won't you commit to that? Oh, Lord, help us to be a church where some serve and some speak, and together, together we bring you glory. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.